0: were actually sacrificed to idols. And so therefore, the Bible says that if they knew that it was sacrificed to idols, they should not eat of it. But if you go to the marketplace and it was just there for sale, you just buy it and eat it. It was no big deal. So what I'm, what I'm getting at here is the issue uh, is not, not a, a sin issue he's talking about. He's talking about neutral stuff. And when it comes to observing a day, whether we celebrate Christmas or whether we don't celebrate Christmas, it's neutral. Does that make sense? Okay, because I think it's important that we understand that from the biblical standpoint, because there is no mandate that says that we need to either do it or not. And so those are things I think it's important for us to look at when we're dealing with our brothers and sisters. There are some people that don't celebrate Christmas who know the Lord and are saved. And there are people who don't have Christmas trees and there are people who don't decorate and so on because they don't think it's what they should do. Let it go. It's no big deal. You know, and, and if you have a Christmas tree and you don't believe in having a Christmas tree unless someone is going in and and worshiping the tree, let it go. <laughs> you, you, you get my point here. It's it's those things are they're they're insignificant when it comes to our salvation. When it comes to the way we we treat our wife and our husband, the way we live our lives, that they're insignificant. In other words, we need to keep our focus on the main things, and not on the things that cause, as he said, doubtful things that don't really matter, that really don't make that much difference. You know, because there's a lot of things that are just not that important that we can get all twisted up on, and we can also get very self-righteous about that as well. I'm thinking that next week I will start in Matthew chapter 23, which talks about how the Pharisees— we're so self-righteous and hypocritical. And so what we're going to find when we get into Matthew 23 and we begin to study that scripture, I believe that some of us, I can pick you out. I'm just <laughs> Oh, I couldn't resist. Some of us, as a matter of fact, I think that we all might find just a hint of hypocrisy in us from time to time. You know, one of the things that we find, and, and I've, I've had this happen quite a bit with people in the world, and, you know, you talk to them about Jesus, and, and one of the first things they want to bring up is hypocrites. Oh, the church is full of hypocrites. I go, yeah, it is. Loaded. <laughs> Loaded. And they said, well, at least I'm not a hypocrite. And I go... Really? So you've never, ever pretended to be something that you're not. Never, right? You've never portrayed yourself as better than you are because you just told me you're not a hypocrite. And, you know, the bottom line is we all are at some point. You know, are we, are we hypocrites on the level of the Pharisees? Well, I hope not. But, you know, I think that sometimes we have to look at it. And one of the things I've noticed is that we have a tendency to look at things from our viewpoint and say, if you don't see it the way I see it, there becomes a self-righteousness in us that can really separate me from being able to minister to you. Because if I'm self-righteous in what I believe and you don't believe exactly like I do, Although you believe all the elements of salvation, I can separate my relationship with you and learn from you even. I I, I work with with pastors all over this valley. Last, Last week, I believe we had 12 pastors that are a pastor's prayer. It was awesome. That was awesome. And you know what? We love each other, and we talk about stuff, and we learn from each other. I've learned all kinds of things from my pastor brothers, and we sit down, and we talk about stuff, and we go over things, and, and you know what? I hope that maybe they learned something from me. You know, I, I don't know, but I, we have a, an awesome relationship, and we learn a lot of things, but we don't, we don't, we don't think about the minor stuff. We just look at the major things, the things that are really, really important, what we need to get into people's hearts, grace and mercy and peace and joy. As we go forward, we're going to read that. Listen to what he says. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, we know that's not talking about sin. He's talking about He's talking about food and so on. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Listen to this. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and... And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify another. What is the thing? Pursue the things that make for peace and desire to build up your brother, to build up your sister. To build up those who are around you and, and to encourage and strengthen them. That's what he's talking about. Do not destroy the work of God. The work of God is what? The work of salvation. The stuff that's really, really important. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Now, this, what he's saying is this. If it would offend you for me to eat something in your presence, and I just say, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway because I really don't care what you think. He said, if I do this with the, with the idea of an offense in mind, and I don't really care, hmm, Lord's not happy with that. He makes it very clear. He's not happy with those who would do it for the sake of of his freedom. Listen to this. I tell you this. This spoke to me very well. I've, uh, I have a, a great commentary, and so I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm going to read what they say. Listen to this. The strong may be called upon to exercise great self-denial and sacrifice their liberty. Listen to this. Otherwise, they would be slaves liberty. Ooh, I'm going to explain that a little bit. They do this for three reasons. For the good of the weaker brother, for Jesus' sake, and for the good of the church. In other words, he's saying, if I consider you more than I consider myself, It would be important that I exercise self-denial for your sake. And if I am at a place to where I am flaunting my liberty, listen to this now, if I'm flaunting my liberty, I have liberty to do this, I have liberty to do that, and if you don't like it, so be it. That's what he's talking about, being a slave to liberty. Wow. Wow. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, I know this is kind of different, but it's, I think it's important for us. If Jesus gave his life for these, should not the strong be willing to give up a small item of personal liberty for Jesus' sake? Ooh. I'm going to read that again. If Jesus gave his life for these talking about everyone, should not the strong be willing to give up a small item of personal liberty for Jesus' sake? Verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. What I want to get at today is this. I think it's important that we focus that our focus and motives should be pure before the Lord. That what we focus on during these holiday seasons is not a question of whether we should participate or not or whether other people don't or they lay a guilt trip on us or whatever if we do. It's what. why do we do what we do? Why do we do it? And, and is it, it is important that we, we look at it with the right motives behind why we do what we do. And, and is it important that I consider the other brother that's around me when, when I'm talking about different things? Colossians chapter 2. I want to go there. <clears throat> Colossians 2 is, is just loaded with really, really good information. In Colossians 2, chapter two, verse eight, and, and I've, I've, this is one of my favorite scriptures, "Beware lest anyone cheat you to philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily." And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So this Jesus who we serve has given us all we need, the Bible tells us in in 1 Peter, for life and godliness in our knowledge of Christ Jesus. He's given us everything we need. And he says, we are complete in him. And let no one cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, according to the traditions of men. Don't let anybody cheat you out of what God has for you. The simplicity is, is that whatever we need is available to us. And guess what? He can fix it. We sang that song, right? Oh, you guys, come on. <laughs> he can fix it. Yeah, he can fix whatever it is. Then he says this in verse 16. Listen to this. Therefore, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. These are all days, okay? Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So what he's saying is this. Whether you eat or drink or you don't eat or drink, whether you observe the day or you don't observe the day, whether you keep this, you keep that, that is not important. What is important is that you keep your heart and your mind and your focus on who Jesus is and allow him to minister to you because he has all you need. Woo. But I will give you, as your pastor, I think it's important that there's a few things that the Lord has revealed to me over the years that I would like to share with you that I think will help you in your relationship with your family and your relationship with the Lord. I will give you some helpful information that I'm convinced is very important to explain to your children at the proper time. At the proper time. Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. I mean, we just we have traditions. Each family usually comes up with their own tradition of how we can we can celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, my family has traditions. My sons are developing their traditions, and you know different things like that. and And I think that's great, but but it's it's pretty laid out there when it comes to Thanksgiving. I mean, it's. We're, we're, we're giving thanks for what we've been blessed with. Christmas, different deal. I mean, we, we're, uh, we're looking at, at how Christmas has been so commercialized. We, we see the, the, uh, the input of, of Santa coming into the scene, the whole issue of Santa Claus and, and all that. And listen, I'm not judging you if you believe in Santa Claus. But here's something I want to want to share with you, I think that's very, very important. We, we, we buy gifts and we put Santa on them and all these things, and we hear it all the time. But let me tell you what, Santa Claus is a replacement for Jesus. It's a replacement for Jesus. I want you to think about this. Santa has all the same attributes. Supernatural attributes of Christ. Think about it. He's a saint, first of all, right? There was actually a Saint Nicholas, but you know, all this stuff gets distorted and taken out of context. But here's the thing: <laughs> we we can even sing the song. <laughs> you better not pout. Better not cry. Why? Because he knows what you've been thinking. He's all-knowing. He knows you. He knows what you've been thinking. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And you better watch out. You better not pout because he's coming to town. And guess what? He is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere on Christmas Eve. And he's so supernatural that he can get your presents down your chimney when you don't even have one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have a chimney and you get presents hanging on the thing, man. It's an amazing thing. And he makes all those toys. You see where it's going here? Do you see what is important? Now, again, it's a fantasy. We understand that. But let me, let me tell you that we live in a world that takes every opportunity it can to destroy your faith. And when you tell your children that they're to believe in Santa, There comes a point in time when you need to have a serious talk with them and let them know that Santa is a fantasy. It's make-believe. I know. I know. If you're here and you don't know it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The reason I say that is this. All the attributes of Jesus Christ, Santa has. It's a substitute for who Jesus is and what Jesus did. But here's the thing that happens. Your child begins to grow up. They begin to figure out things on their their own. At some point in time, they begin to realize that Santa ain't real. And you've told them all these years that he is. You've also told them all these years that Jesus was real. And they go, well, I wonder if he's real too. You have the responsibility as a parent to make sure they know the difference between a fantasy and what's real. Amen? Amen? It's important that you do that. It's important that you set them aside at some point because I'm telling you that our educational system would rather believe in Santa than Jesus. And they're going to they're gonna support the whole issue that it's all a fairy tale. Santa and Jesus is a fairy tale. And if you don't, if you don't let them know, there's a possibility that it will affect their faith. Because you've been telling them all this year something that's been not true. What about the Easter bunny? It just keeps on going and going and going and going. It's a substitute for the resurrection of Jesus. And it takes our focus off of what the day is about. It takes our focus. If you're going to celebrate Easter, if you're going to celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, if you're going to celebrate those times, make sure that your children know why you're celebrating them. That it's not just something we're doing because the whole world does it. We're doing it because we're celebrating the most powerful event that ever happened in the history of the world when Jesus rose from the dead and was the first fruits of resurrection, which we will be partakers of. The most powerful event that's ever happened in history. And close to that was his birth, a virgin birth. Wow. People, these are powerful things that we need to let our children know the reality of what they are. And it's good that we do that. It's good that we let them know and understand that. Where did we go with all this? What what I want to see is this. and What I wanted to get across to you is this. Let's just don't get hung up on stuff that don't really matter that much. If you have friends, if you have relatives that don't want to celebrate Christmas, let it go. And, And don't don't make a big deal out of it, you know, because it can, it, can, it can cause problems. If they start giving you a hard time for it, just smile at them and say, you know, straighten up. No. <laughs> what I'm telling you is that there's no biblical mandate either way. And, and to say that there is, you're really crowbarring some stuff in the Word of God, which is not good. Paul just makes it very clear. If you want to celebrate the day, celebrate it. If you don't want to celebrate it, don't celebrate it. Be convinced in your own mind whether it's something you want to do or something you don't want to do, and let it rest. That's what he's saying. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. If you don't want to eat meat, eat vegetables. You know, It's not something you have to make a big deal out of. But we have to be careful. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to get self-righteous. And we tend to to cause conflicts with people because of our self-righteousness. For example, I'll just give you an example. And this is is not to proclaim to you any kind of self-righteousness. That's not the goal. I don't drink, and I never will drink. I did before I came to the Lord, before I got saved. I, I drank and drank more than I should. I was never at a place where I was, you know, an alcoholic, but I drank, I, I, and I, I did other things, did a lot of other things I'm not going to tell you about. But I don't drink now. Do I have a liberty to drink? Do I believe that the scriptures give me a liberty to drink if I so chose to do that? I believe they do. But I can tell you what. Every church that's in this valley has numerous people in it who struggle with alcohol. Our society has been ravaged by alcohol. Ravaged. And I can tell you that those people are way more important than a Bud Light. And I don't need it. I don't need it. I mean, I can go to, you know, people say, well, back in the old days, they, they drank, yeah, they did. They, they drank wine and they drank some stuff that was almost wine that was some pretty nasty stuff. But let me tell you what choices they had in those days. You had milk. You had wine. You had a hard drink. And you had water. And you had juice. That was about it. What could you travel with? Couldn't travel with milk. And you couldn't even travel with water because water gets rancid. After a while, but you could travel with some some wine, and you could travel with that stuff. But let me tell you this: I can go to any of the grocery stores here in town and I have like five hundred choices of what I can drink, and it 'll all travel with me. you know it 's a different world we live in, and there 's a different set of circumstances, and the issue comes down to as a pastor. If, if I put myself at a place to where people came to my home and saw alcohol in my refrigerator, I could do this. And let's just read what he says. Because I think it's important. Because I, I'm not talking about being self-righteous. It's not about that. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. It's not that important. It's just not that important. Let me tell you another thing. Ladies, When you reveal certain things to people who are not your husband, you might read the scripture, because it could be a stumbling block to men. Men, <laughs> you can do the same thing. You know, and and uh, you know, it's getting to where right now it's not that big of a deal for me, but. You know, earlier in my I, I didn't run around with my shirt off a lot. Because some, maybe one in a thousand, might <laughs> like what they saw. <laughs> I don't know, some people have weird vision. <clears throat> my point is, we need, to be, we need to also be very careful about those type of things. Is that important to you, to... to do that to where you could cause your brother to stumble? Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. I don't know how to end this message. <laughs> I hope you got what I wanted to get across to you is that, you know, we we have liberties. Christ has given us liberties in many, many things. But if we take our liberty and we impose it on someone else, that's just not a good thing. And I think it's important that we are able to be mature enough and wise enough in the Lord to be able to discern when it's appropriate to say something or when it's not. Does that make sense? That's kind of where I was going with this whole thing. You know what? I'll, let's just sing a song, Eddie. He's a good, good father. Can we do that? Let's have the whole worship team come up and uh, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. <clears throat> <clears throat> See, I think, I think that this whole Easter bunny thing <laughs> should be like the one on Funniest Home Video where the Easter bunny scares the daylights out of the kids. <laughs> it should really scare us. If you have questions about this, Talk to Paul. (laughs) He's the one that wrote all this stuff. I I didn't write it. I just read it. Verse 19. Just listen to this verse as they're getting ready. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. The things that pursue for peace. In other words, let us endeavor, in in Ephesians chapter 4, let us endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And in verse 13, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. We haven't got there yet. We have not got there And we won't get there until we stand face to face with our Lord. But let us endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. If I have the Spirit of God, just like with my pastor brothers, when we get together, our goal is to have the unity of the Spirit. And we don't all believe everything the same. But all the things that we believe are different are not essentials. They're not that important. And so we look at it and we, we go, hey, praise God. We pray for each other. We we are, are seriously good friends. That's awesome. It's awesome. That's why we need to stay. Let's just keep our hearts right. And a brother that lives down the street that believes a little different than we do, man, let's just love him. Just love him. And you know what? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Now, if they do distort the important things, it might be good for us to talk to them about that. If they, dist- they distort the virgin birth, salvation by grace, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the importance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are key issues. And those are things that we can't compromise or should never shrink back on because they are the elements of salvation. But the other stuff, just not that big of a deal. Okay? All right. You're on. He's not on. Hey, James, we don't have a mic on here for, for Eddie. We'll get you on. Whoa.
1: You're a good, good father it's who you are. It's who you are. You wow. are
0: Whatever whatever you need, we're here to, to provide for you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, that's important. That's the essential. And if you've never done that, and you would like to receive the Lord, this prayer team is here for you. But if you need prayer for anything, I don't care what it is, you come. They'll pray with you, pray for you. God bless you. Listen, we're going to actually dismiss. we're going to sing. If you need prayer, come down. If not, have a great day. We have no lunch today. So you're going to have to go out and forage for yourself. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming.
1: you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are. No
2: God's gonna fix it, I know Oh, God's gonna fix it, I know Whenever my heart is broken Whenever I'm feeling low I don't have to worry Because my master's in control I just go to the problem solver And God's gonna fix it, I know it was a large and a lively crowd, but well, Jesus passed by that way. I know one saw the little one at all, if yes, she passed through the crowd that day. Well, twelve long years suffer, but she sat down in her soul. If I only touch his garment, God's gonna fix it, I know. God's gonna fix it, I know, God's gonna fix it, I know, whenever my heart is broken, whenever I'm feeling low, I don't have to worry, because my master's in control, I just go to the problem solver, and God's gonna fix it, I know. Left that I can do when together around sort of feeling down but your life is almost through think about that little woman reaching out to touch his rope. I am with faith and determination Say, that God's gonna fix it I know I said God's gonna fix it I know God's gonna fix it, I know Whenever my heart is broken Whenever I'm feeling low I don't have to worry Because my master is in control I just go to the problem solver God's gonna fix it, I know